This is Alicia, and welcome to the College Life Podcast. I am super passionate about education, personal development, growth, and bringing out the best in every college student. This podcast will help motivate you, empower you, and bring you clarity and confidence in who you are, in your purpose, and help you take action toward a life you love. Don't wait until you graduate to live your best life. Let's start now. What's up and welcome to the College Life Podcast. It's Alicia here and today I'm excited to bring you a bonus episode from a friend of mine, Katie Oliveira, who is the host of the College Hood Advice Podcast. Even if you aren't a freshman going into your first semester, you are going to still benefit from this podcast. So let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to College Hood Advice, a podcast to help you develop the skills, habits, and mindset you need to thrive during college and beyond. I'm Katie Oliveira, and after coaching students from around the world through their college experience over the last 15 years, I've come to believe that college isn't just some box we need to check off on our way to a successful career. Instead, I think it's a special moment in our experience where we get to nurture and develop both our personal and professional selves so that we can live a meaningful and fulfilling life that actually aligns with who we are. Each week, my guests and I share lessons learned from our work helping students just like you so that you can shorten your learning curve while you figure out what you want to do with your life and leverage your college experience to make it happen. But before we dive into today's episode, a quick word from this week's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the free Collegehood Advice Resource Library. That's right, I did say free. The Collegehood Advice Resource Library is the place to start building the habits, skills, and behaviors you need to succeed during college. Once you join, you'll have access to themed playlists of the Collegehood Advice podcast, guides, workshops, and my favorite tools to help you earn great grades, manage your time, get organized, reduce stress, and find a major that matches you and much more. You can join for free at collegehoodadvice.com forward slash freebies. That's collegehoodadvice.com forward slash freebies. And parents, I don't want to leave you out. So I've created a shiny new monthly update full of curated resources, tools, and advice to help you as you support your student through the college experience, you can sign up for our new monthly update for parents at collegehoodadvice.com forward slash parents. And if you're a student listening, be sure to share that information with your parent today. That's collegehoodadvice.com forward slash parents. I hope to see you over in the free resource library. Okay, now on to this week's episode. Hello, Katie here. I hope today finds you very well. I want to thank you again for hanging out with me today. I know there is a lot going on out there, and I'm always truly grateful that you've chosen to spend time here with me. Today, I'm sharing five things to expect from your first semester in college, because I think sometimes just knowing what to expect can go a long way in easing our jitters, and empowering us to kind of take that awkwardness, discomfort, and honestly, some opportunities that you might otherwise not notice in stride. So if you're about to head off to college this fall for the first time, or maybe you're a seasoned veteran and you're nervous about going back, 
or maybe you're transferring to a new school and so you're nervous about heading off to a new college or university this fall, you might be feeling that weird combination of nervousness and excitement about the changes that lay ahead. So my goal, my wish for you is that what we talk about today will both ease your nerves and boost your confidence so that you can make a smooth transition to your college experience. So let's dive into the top five things to expect from your first semester in college. So number one, awkwardness is normal. I think in a media space, movie world, when something seems a little off or a little lame, we say awkward has made awkward really negative, right? Something to be avoided at all costs. Even though it may not seem like it, everyone feels awkward in a new situation. It's just the nature of the beast, right? Awkwardness is simply discomfort. It's being uncomfortable. It's not kind of feeling like you belong. And in any new situation where you don't know a lot of people, when you're not really sure how things work, when you haven't kind of found your space, when you aren't familiar with it, it's going to feel awkward. And quite frankly, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, I got years ago from one of my mentors was get comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable and you can just feel the awkwardness and you can just embrace it and know that even though everyone else is acting like they've got everything under control and they're really cool that they don't, you'll be really empowered to just know that awkwardness and discomfort is just part of something that's new and it's going to pass And by this time next year, you're going to be the seasoned cool kid that everyone thinks has it together and new people are going to be coming through and they're going to be feeling awkward. And so just know that awkwardness is really normal. Knowing that the awkwardness that you feel is normal can go a really long way when meeting people and making new friends. And I want you to remember that even that kid who seems really cool and extroverted and is hanging out in the lobby and like made 20 new friends the first day seems like they're not awkward. Even that kid is awkward. And I know this because even that kid has come into my office crying, feeling homesick, feeling like they don't have any friends, feeling like they don't belong. So we all feel that. That is a shared experience that we all suppress and act like we're not having, but we're all having it. And so the thing to remember when you're feeling it is that it's normal and to just embrace it and write it out. It will pass. This too shall pass. So number two is real friendship takes time. So real friendship takes time. It took you years, maybe honestly, even decades to develop the relationships you had or have with your high school friends, because you're not necessarily going to lose your very dear high school friends, right? We have the internet now where you can really stay connected with people through text messaging and social media and FaceTime in a way that you've never done before, which in some ways is great because you can continue to nurture those relationships that you've had for decades, but in some ways is detrimental because it may cause you 
to feel like you aren't very close to the people that are surrounding you in your new college environment. And it may also distract you from putting in the time and energy that it really takes to cultivate true friendship. So the thing about this is don't expect the same level of closeness with your new college friends during the first weeks of your friendship and even during the first semester. You may find that you are really attached at the hip with your roommate during the first month, but by midterm, you can't stand each other. You found your own groups of friends, and that's totally normal. Um, Don't limit your friendships to people who live near you or happen to sit next to you in your general ed classes. So sometimes um, what I've observed is that people will really limit and spend all of their time with those humans that are in closest proximity to them. So I call these proximity friends. And these proximity friends tend to be your roommate, your suite mate, the people who live across the hall from you, the girl who sits in front of you in class, the person who's in maybe a couple of your classes with you. Those are good places to start friendships and can lead to real long-term relationships. But often I find that those friendships fizzle out or when those friendships fizzled out, might be a better way to think about it, that students or people, humans, are like, what's wrong with me? Why don't they want to be my friend? And it's really that you didn't have your friendship built on a strong foundation. It wasn't built on shared interest or shared experiences or shared problem solving. It was it was about proximity, and, and that wasn't enough to build a long-term relationship on. So just keep that in mind, that you don't want to limit your friendships to the people who happen to live closest to you or have happen to move in the same direction that you move, get involved in things on your campus that truly interest you, this is a better place to find friendships that have more longevity. And so by getting involved in things on your campus that truly interest you, you know, the nerdier, the quirkier, the better here, you are more likely to find people who are true friend material because you're finding people who geek out, are interested, are passionate about, who have purpose around, who have fascination around something that you also have those things around. And so you're finding people who have shared interests and goals. And that is a more substantial way to make friends than someone who has a shared living space. Okay, enough on that. Three, good time management is the secret to success. So this is not new to you. I know that people have been talking to you about making a to-do list and managing your time and getting a calendar all throughout high school. But this is for real. This is really the number one habit that I think students need to cultivate for ultimate success in college and ultimate success, honestly, in life, because your time is your most precious resource. And we tend to waste it or feel overwhelmed by it and often mismanage it, which can lead to a lot of stress, can lead to illness, it can lead to poor academic performance. And so even if you've never had a planner in high school, even if you feel like you've never needed one, you've done a really good job of keeping up with your assignments and your commitments in your mind, coming up with a system for keeping up with your daily commitments and tasks is really essential during college and into your adulthood because eventually your poor little brain isn't going to be able to keep up with those tasks, number one. And number two, a lot of the work of college is 
non-specific tasks, so things you need to do in preparation for your big to-dos, for your big deadlines. And so those things we tend to not actually remember. Those things have to be built into routines. And so keeping a really good time management system, which I think is one part to-do list, one part scheduling, dedicated time in your schedule to do those tasks is the key. So if this is the first time in your life that you're responsible for holding yourself accountable for getting your stuff done, then you're going to need systems to help you stay motivated, to help you keep up with everything and help you doing that from right from the start is going to be key because midway through the semester, when you feel like you really need it, it's going to be really hard to adopt those habits. So I recommend starting those habits right from the beginning of the calendar when you don't have that many commitments. And I talk a lot about this in the episode, How to Organize Your Week in 20 Minutes, which I'll link to in the show notes about the actual steps that you can take to do this. I also talk a lot about this in How to Get Your Homework Under Control, which also talks about this concept of scheduling assignments or or tasks into specific time in your calendar. But this is really the key to keeping your life organized. And so I encourage you to check out those episodes and to seriously consider starting an online calendar or using an app or having devoted study time and homework time right from the very beginning of the semester. Okay, number four, the exams and assignments and college are much more difficult than the exams and the assignments from high school. And you might be thinking to yourself, like on the surface, like, duh, Katie, that's a no brainer. But I'm telling you this because this is one of the things I have seen students just really, 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 really underestimate. The professors not only have higher expectations for you for their exams and their assignments, but the trap is that you as a student assume that because your professor is covering content that feels familiar, that looks, smells, feels like things you covered in high school, that you already know the course material. And the thing is, is that the professors in college are revisiting material knowledge information that you've already learned in high school, not because they want you to gain just a knowledge-based understanding of the information, that's step one, but they want you to take it further than you took it in high school. They expect you to gain a more sophisticated understanding of the subject than you had in high school. So it's not just about relearning material, it's about deepening your understanding. It's about going from just knowing something to being able to understand it, apply it, synthesize it, utilize it in other formats and fashions, right? And so that takes a deeper level of understanding and knowing. So they don't just want you to be able to recognize it or know the basic facts on an exam. They want you to be able to discern not the right answer, but the best answer. So this makes exams, tests, and other assignments much more challenging than those that you encountered in high school and study hacks and strategies that focus purely on memorization will not prepare you 
for exams and assignments that are seeking for you to apply and understand the material. And so a lot of times students will use the study hacks that worked for them in high school that were largely memorization based. They will use those very same study hacks. They will know the information and they will go and they will take their first round of exams and they will not do well. And they will not do well because they've simply memorized the information and they can't discern what the best answer is. They can't use that information. So just prepare yourself. I talk a lot about this and how to prepare for exams. And I will also link that one in the show notes. But this idea of really truly learning of spreading information out over time in small chunks, engaging the material is key to increasing your performance on exams and assignments in college, which is a real big shift from sort of the outcomes driven way that we learn to study in high school, which is I'm going to memorize this for the test. I'm going to make an A on that test, and then I'm going to lose all of that information. So we're moving away from that model to one that's more sustainable, the one that helps us actually retain the knowledge, apply the knowledge, build on that knowledge in future classes, especially classes in your major. Okay. The fifth thing to expect is everyone at your university expects you to advocate for yourself. And over this summer, we did actually have an episode I will also link to in the show notes about how to advocate for yourself. But this one is incredibly important. So what I mean by this is the faculty and the staff on your campus expect you to ask questions and they expect you to ask for help when you need it. So that means they do not, I repeat, they do not want to hear from your parents. And they will not assume that you need help unless you ask for it because they are treating you like a full-fledged adult. So during your first year, you might encounter at your university a little extra support from your university because they understand that you are coming online to the university system that this might be the first time in your life that you're advocating for yourself rather than your parent advocating for you. And so some universities will help you along the way with this. But generally speaking, the professionals on your campus want you to learn how to advocate for yourself. So this means that there are no stupid questions. I know you've heard that before, but there really are no stupid questions. And you are not bothering the people on your campus when you ask them for help. And if you encounter a grumpy faculty or staff member, continue to advocate for yourself with them because that is their job, their role. And I guarantee you there's an administrator higher up who would be really annoyed by the fact that they are not being helpful to you. So I think you've got to push through, don't take that grumpiness, crotchetiness personally and ask them for help anyway. Okay. So This means that if you are in trouble, you have got to leave your shame and your awkwardness at the door and you've got to ask for help. It also means that you have to be the one to ask questions, to talk to your professors, to talk to your advisor, to talk to the support staff on your campus. Don't have your parents do it on your behalf. A couple of reasons why. Number one, the staff person on your campus will be happy to talk to your parent, but they're ultimately going to really want to talk to you. And number two, especially when it comes to professors, it's not going to benefit you in their mind's eye. They are going to expect you to advocate for yourself. And so when you're looking for them to become your mentors and your references in the future, they are going to remember the fact that you cannot advocate for themselves and the students who are able to advocate for themselves are going to stand apart. Okay, so to run through those five things to expect, again, just for good measure, number one, awkwardness is normal. Number two, 
good real friendship takes time. Number three, good time management is the key to success. Four, exams and assignments are harder. And five, everyone on your campus expects you to advocate for yourself. If you're worried about making a smooth transition to college, don't go it alone. Check out collegehoodadvice.com forward slash freebies. There you can sign up for the College Hood Advice Resource Library, where I have a ton of tools and information to help you thrive in college. But there is so much good help out there and resources out there. Do not think you are alone. Do not try to figure it all out on your own the hard way. Get help. Ask for help. Ask good questions. Seek tools and resources. And you got this thing. So I will see you next time. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the show and listening all the way to the end. If you need them, you can find all the links and resources we mentioned over in the show notes at collegeadvice.com forward slash podcast. If you really enjoyed today's show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. If you're a big fan, we'd love to hear about it. You can share your love by leaving a quick rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, we would love if you would share the show with a friend. The more, the merrier. I'll be back next week. But until then, remember, you have the power to create a better college experience. You've just got to get out there and take your first step. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you check out Katie's podcast called the College Hood Advice Podcast. I will link that in the show notes. And thank you all so much for listening to the College Life Podcast. I will catch you in the next episode. Have an excellent week.